0: Hello and welcome to the Travelling Through podcast. I'm your host, Emma, and in this week's episode, I am in the very heart of Sicily, a place called Mussomeli, a place that people have been leaving for lack of work and for lack of things to do. It has been thrown into the spotlight by the One Euro House Projects, which many of you may or may not have heard of. But it is also a place of community and it is a place that Danny McCubbin, an Australian who spent many years in London working with Jamie Oliver came to Musumeli and set up the Good Kitchen. The Good Kitchen has now been operational for a year and is drawing community. He set up this kitchen to provide a space where he could support the local community, those who are not able to necessarily support themselves, and those who need help, not only in the sense of food, but in the sense of feeling a part of a community. The Good Kitchen attracted crowdfunding support from many across the world and as a result Danny was able to launch The Good Kitchen and is now at that stage of not only providing something which is very much part of the community but he wants to make it sustainable and that is the next big challenge for him to focus upon. Danny had just come back from Kaltenasetta where he had picked up a load of vegetables from the market that have been donated to the Good Kitchen so that he can provide meals for those who come to the kitchen, but also to provide meals for those in the community, the elderly, who are not able to to get out as easily. I was very fortunate that Danny was able to find time to sit down and have a chat to me about what he's doing in Sicily, in this very remote part of the island, why he is there and the meaning and purpose that this project has brought to his life. This is a really inspiring podcast episode and I hope you gain a lot from it. And certainly if you are planning a trip to Sicily, do go into the centre of the island because it is magical and very, very different from the coast. And of course, Danny is very, very happy and to welcome you to the Good Kitchen if you go via Mozzamelli. Do look him up on at Danny for Good on Instagram and his website which is Good for Good. But without further ado let's crack on with the podcast episode. Hello everyone this is the Travelling Through podcast and as you know I have been travelling through Sicily for the last three weeks, two weeks in fact, um, and I have arrived in this Hillside town called Musumeli, and uh, by sheer coincidence and spontaneity, I have been able to catch Danny McCubbin of The Good Kitchen, and this is an amazing project that has been undertaken or set up by by him. And I've managed to get Danny to sit down for a few minutes. He's just come back from the market in Castan
1: Casta. Castanasetta. I lost okay. it there for <laughs> a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I was like Castle Germany, Castle Etta.
0: Okay, so hello, Danny, and, and I'll stop my introduction and let's get on to just chatting about why you're here yes. and the project itself and where you've been this morning and um, because I know from a quick background for, of you that you're born and bred in, in Australia. Yes, correct. But you've spent a lot of time travelling over the last uh, twenty years or so. Yeah, I sure have. Sp- Spent a lot of time in, in London. Yep. Um, working with Jamie Oliver, and so you know London incredibly well. Yes. Uh, but you managed to escape before I did, Brexit.
1: I did. Nice to meet you, Emma, and thank you uh, for coming along to the Good Kitchen.
0: It's a pleasure to be a here. A beautiful
1: day as well. Isn't
0: it just blue skies? Um,
1: the, the the challenge sometimes with podcasts is that you have to just visualize, but that can be a good thing as well. Yes. And today is a very beautiful day. The Good Kitchen sits right on the town square, Piazza Umberto, and we are looking out at the, the wonderful church across the square and the blue sky. So it was that beautiful this morning when I drove to Caltanaceta, was which it? is about an hour away, to collect all the free produce that I collect every Thursday uh, for the Good Kitchen.
0: And how did that come about that, that you were able to set up that connection with another town to provide the produce and then share with the church who then distributes yeah. to the people in the town?
1: So, Emma, it's been wonderful. I've had lots of local press and also press in, in Italy when I launched The Kitchen. So we launched The Kitchen a year ago, um, end of July 2021. I arrived in Musumeli December 2020, just before the end of the transition period for Brexit. Uh, And through local press, um, I was contacted by the owner of a wholesale fruit and vegetable market in Kaltenesetta. It's one of the biggest in the region. And I think I, in one of my uh, articles, I was speaking to a journalist about how the families here in mustameli have small companions, small allotments, mm-hmm. and they were donating produce over summer. Right. And I happen to say in winter there's less produce, yes. and they, therefore we, the Good Kitchen is a charity so that we have funds, therefore have to go to the supermarkets to buy produce. And he approached me to say, look, we have excess produce, obviously surplus produce uh, that is not bought by the retailers. So okay. in the UK we call it wonky veg, Yes. It's the veg that doesn't make it onto the shelves, it's the veg that the retailers don't want. Um, some of the you know vegetables have small blemishes or they're organic and might have worms in them <laughs> and they're not sold. So, you know, a third of the food that we produce in the world is, is thrown away, mm. so. Sadly. Sadly, very sadly. So I, uh, yeah, so I drive every Thursday and I have a little Fiat Panda. Um, which isn't big enough now because there's enough produce for twice as much as I, as I collect. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: And you're, you're collecting the food for the week?
1: Yes. So we do, the Good Kitchen, we deliver food parcels to families, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of families in the town. If you ever, uh, if your listeners ever visit here, you may not see the poverty on the surface, it just seems like another beautiful um, Italian, Sicilian, Hilltop town. However, there are a lot of people here who are struggling mm-hmm. because of the economy. So uh, that's how the one-euro house program started here, which is very famous. And a lot of people come here for the one-euro houses to buy them. Um, and so on a Thursday, we deliver food parcels to those families. Yes. Um, and then, as you mentioned, across the way are the brothers from the uh, Francis of Assisi Church. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful team of Brazilians who uh, are very community minded, so yes. half the carload goes to them, and then they distribute that food to refugees and immigrants who are applying for a, a settlement status in Kaltena Seta. So it's a bit, a bit crazy that, that I bring the food <laughs> back here and then distribute it and goes back to Kaltena Seta, but. Um, and it, the reason for that yes. is
0: because they are actually, the the, the refugees are all in, uh, are they in, in camps? In, yes. Okay. Um,
1: you will see there's, I had to apply for my Permessa soggiorno uh, as an Italian resident, which is your permission to stay, um, and I had to do that in the immigration centre and it's very eye-opening. Um, yeah. As an Aussie and of somebody course. who's lived in London, it really is, um, People who you, you know come from desperate situations and yes. and are needing and wanting to live somewhere where where it's safe. Yes. So, I, you know, I'm I'm very I love a th- my Thursdays because I know that that produce is going to um, those those refugees. It's quite ironic actually, as I because I pass the detention centre on the way here. Okay. Um, so I see it, so it's sort of you know getting up at six in winter. It's cold, and not that I ever question what I'm doing, but it's you know, when I see the end result of who I'm helping, that's, that's really satisfying.
0: And very humbling, I imagine, And very as well. humbling,
1: for sure. Yeah. yeah. yeah
0: yes. And also, I think, um, I mean, coming to a town like this, which is really almost getting on its feet again, I don't know whether that's the right phrase to use or not, with these one-euro homes that are, seems many people have bought into, but is, could there be the potential of a disconnect between those who have money, and perhaps quite a lot of money, and those here in it- Italy, particularly Italians and refugees, who do not have much, mm-hmm. and how how that can possibly be um, uh, integrated in a way that doesn't create yeah. tension in something, in a place b- that's very quite calm and... Yes, you know, uh, it's being
1: Italians are very community-minded, mm-hmm. so I don't know if you notice, here in the town, there are no homeless people, so mm-hmm. there are, I know them quite well. There are a group of people that struggle with uh, addiction. Yes. Um, They still have a home to live in and a house and a roof over their heads. Um, But it's also, you know, yes, the town is getting back on its feet, um, thanks to the municipality and the mayor, um, but it's a poor town because it just doesn't have an economy. So it's in the heart of Sicily, you know, people might stop off on the way from Palermo to Agrigento. It's 45 minutes an hour to the sea, so mm-hmm. it doesn't really have a tourist trade. No. Um, and it was once a farmer's town. So, it was farmers lived here, and it was a market town that, you know, e- um, evolved because of the farmers. Yes, so yeah. So, whether it be equipment that was sold here or the farmers lived here. But then, of course, when, you know, food production became... Um, Almost industrialized on a massive scale, and these small allotments and farms that the fam- would have been the families for generation, were just went broke, and yeah, they had to yes. leave the land. Right. And so this town, you'll notice all the houses, most of the houses in the old town don't have a garden or a terrace and outdoor space. And it's because all the the farmers were out all day anyway, so of they course. would come back in yes. the house. So, yeah, yeah. so, you know, it, it's interesting for me because. People don't really struggle here because the social system is good in the sense that they get uh, money each week from each month from the government. And then also, it's a very small town, even though there's 10,000 people everyone knows each other and yeah. everyone knows if somebody's struggling yes. so people aren't left to struggle or people aren't left alone which is incredible
0: that's such a community thing isn't it yes I, mean, I, I just noticed just when we arrived we've been here like three or four days and that connection with local people has been from the moment we've stepped out of yes. our, our van you yeah. know with buongiorno, buonzerra, they want to know uh, as much as they can do with our language barrier (laughs) why we're here and and have been so welcoming. Um, But from that point of view it's it's an awareness, isn't it, of who is around them, whoever they may be, and and making sure that everyone's all right. Absolutely.
1: The hmm. first six months I arrived, uh, I didn't have a car and we were in and out of uh, lockdown. So I walked to the supermarket, walked everywhere, and I always say that, that it's almost like this is a town that time has forgot because, or forgotten because people are genuinely kind and friendly mm-hmm. and inquisitive, but not in a gossipy way. Yes. So, you know, I'm a new face, and I was a new face in the town, and people are intrigued as to what I'm doing here. And I was able to explain my, my dream to start a community kitchen uh, so, it's refreshing to live somewhere where people are kind, um, people talk to each other and say hello, like I just, like this morning I had to call into to the supermarket just to pick up a few things for lunch that I didn't have in the kitchen and the number of people who just say hello mm. and ask how the kitchen is and how is it going and you know, I just it just reminds me very much of living in Australia. Yes, uh, yes, very much.
0: Yes, that connection. I lived in Australia for a year and mm. I, I can see how you, you see that, because that was back in the 80s yes. as well, so yeah. a, a different time yeah. time frame too. Um, so the Good Kitchen itself, you've, you've set it, it's set up here in this fantastic, in the main square, yes. which is the perfect location, yeah. isn't it? So everybody can find you very easily, which is point really a very important yes. factor, yeah. isn't yeah. it? So that you're, you're not lost in the back streets. Yeah. Um, And initially when you you opened the doors, who who came through the doors? So
1: when I arrived, Emma, in December 2020, I had just been in London for nine months during lockdown Mm -hmm. and I was on my way here to Sicily and then I didn't arrive because of the pandemic. I helped to set up two community kitchens in London, one in a church in Notting Hill, and the other in a um, with St Mungo's in Clapham. Oh yeah. So yeah. So I I worked um, the one in Notting Hill was very much when we went the whole of the city, the whole of the country went into lockdown. So we worked with the big charities, City Harvest and Felix Project, and then fed many homeless people, mm-hmm. many people who. Returning to the Salvation Army, yes. many people who are accessing food at school. So families whose kids the only meal they get is at school. No, they won't longer get no longer getting that cooked meal. So I had that. You know, I've worked for seventeen years for Jamie Oliver. I've worked on community food projects. Yes, but I had that hands-on experience in London of what it's like to rescue food and then feed people who are in food poverty. Right. Uh, and so my idea when I arrived was to see and investigate, does Moustamali need a community kitchen? Mm-hmm. And so when I arrived, I uh, did some homework, so I went to all the churches and and kind of uh, observed, because I had heard that the churches were feeding people in the town, Yes. but what I saw, Emma, was that it was always either at nighttime or down the side of the church, and it was never out in the open, and I think you know, Sicilians and Italians are very proud people, okay. so I think it was, you know, no one wanted to be seen to, to, to be going to the church. Then secondly, the municipality had food vouchers for people, but the people of the town don't want to go there because they might see somebody they know and, okay. there's you know, there's a lot of kind of shame. Yeah, yeah. And so my original plan was to open a kitchen. Um, originally it was going to be in one, in one of the one-euro houses, but... Um, I ended up not doing that because it was too expensive to renovate and it was on the outskirts of the town. Whereas they're a big challenge, aren't, aren't big they? a big challenge, yes. <laughs> What I've seen as a yeah. building surveyor, so for yeah, sure. Yeah. And so I, I went to the churches and said, look, I have, because I raised £25,000 for a crowdfunder, yeah. um, I had my know-how, my skills, I had volunteers, I'd lined up the supermarkets to donate food. So then I went to the churches and said, do you need food? And they said, no. Which is great, in a way, because they could have said, oh, yes, that would be amazing, and the food may have gone to waste. But the church did an amazing job in Italy, in, you know, in particularly in Sicily, looking after people. And so then I was like, okay, well, um, I have found this shop, vacant shop on the town square, which was next door originally. Um, the, the owners were only charging me 150 Euro- euros a month. Mm-hmm. I have all this money, I have the supermarkets lined up, and I can cook. So, yeah. yeah so you know what who can I cook for And then what I did was I just opened the doors and I started inviting people in for lunch on a Friday, a free lunch. Um, and that didn't go so well just because people were really self-conscious. Okay. Um, you know they they felt yeah like on show a little bit in the, in the town square and so then I was like, okay, I'm just gonna invite anyone for lunch So then I just invited, the mayor and a senator came and people I knew in the municipality and foreigners arriving and so suddenly people got to see that you know the doors were open that people were just having food and having being together yes you didn't have to be in poverty to come and have lunch in the kitchen so that was the first change where people were like you know what that looks like it's a fun place to be yes and then the second thing I did Emma was run uh, cooking classes for kids Oh, so I got the nonnas involved and opened the doors and we did pasta making so people walked past and they got to see that you know it's a food hub Yeah. and then people started telling me look you know I know this elderly person in my street I know he really struggles or she really struggles or this family they were really struggling so I think in the beginning I was cooking around 20 meals a week mm-hmm. and no one was coming to the kitchen I would then deliver um, and I just persevered because I knew you know from my experience in London where I think we're serving a thousand meals a week. I never got to see anyone who we looked after unless they came to the church to collect the food. And for me, it was really important then to see if I'm helping people here, do they like the food? Yeah. You know, is it, is it what they want? Do they perhaps want to take a class and how to learn to cook for themselves? So, you know, for me, it was it, this project, The Good Kitchen is is so much about uh, quality, not quantity. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and so, then gradually more people started letting me know about pet families that were struggling uh, and then the real turning point happened in january uh this year second wave of COVID hit the town i think there are nearly 480 450, 450 people that had to isolate very quickly mm-hmm. so i put a note out on facebook and said we have foods i've completely volunteered it was really educating people too mm-hmm. that it's a an association it's a charity it's run by volunteers I volunteer it's not a commercial project Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think when people got to see that they got to see well it's you know it's unusual for the town because it's new but it's not this business or it's not a kind of restaurant and so um, I ended up cooking for 11 families I think I served I can't remember the numbers I think 380 meals over three weeks or 280 uh, actually, I've got I've got it all written down <laughs> over there. <laughs> Two hundred and fifty nine meals. There you go. All right, over okay. over three weeks. Wow. Um, That's yes. a lot. Yeah, a lot.
0: The the one thing is that oh, the light was struck from from what you were saying as well. So we have this um, uh, stereotype that every Italian can cook and know what to do with food. But clearly, that isn't the case. That sometimes you can you can deliver a parcel of food, but they don't actually know what to do with it? Or is that yeah, not so much the case no, here? No, I think It's a London but, thing. Yeah, it's
1: more of a UK thing. Yeah, so yeah. obviously one of the sad things for me when during the pandemic and the lockdown in London was the food banks, mm-hmm. delivering, you know, food bank, the food to families that don't even have a can open or a kitchen or a microwave. So right, there's okay. a disconnect there yeah, for sure. sure. Italians are good at cooking and food. So they just need a pan, a hob and they can make great food. Yeah. Um, You don't want to mess with the ingredients too much Um, But what I discovered here is there are elderly people who are on um, on a pension and They're paying caregivers to come because their family have left to go and Mm. look for jobs in other cities or gone back to the mainland So they're by themselves. They might have a neighbor that checks in on them and make sure they're okay But they've got no kids or no family here. Yeah, they pay their caregiver to not only look after them and clean and often bathe them uh, but then to go to the supermarket and shop and cook for them. Right. So if we can, we started a supplying a cooked meal twice a week, that saves the pension of the money uh-huh. and then also we know that they're getting a good nutritious meal. So you know, I, I was very clear when I opened The Good Kitchen that it wouldn't just be one thing, that it had to evolve. According to what the needs of the people of the town.
0: Mm-hmm. And how did you set up the the, the sort of the, the menu, as it were, and decide what to cook? Yes. when Yes. Oh, so Honestly, you're coming to a town Italians. They know how to yep. cook, and here you're coming in and cooking for them. Yes. That's another so issue. I,
1: at my lunches, I made a couple of mistakes by cooking. I cooked lentil burgers one day, and the guests were like pushing it around the plate, <laughs> and like oh, not quite sure. So then I was, right, you, and I was like, okay, just stick to, and I've got wonderful friends here who come and help me cook and volunteers. We had a young lad who was doing community service with us for five months. So mm-hmm. he, was, um, he made a mistake and was uh, with a bad group of people, young people in the town. And then he was court ordered to do community service for five months to sweep the streets. Um, and he saw me on Ryan News and said to his mum, oh, maybe I can go and do my community service in the kitchen. Uh. And so when he was younger, like 17, 18, he was studying to be a chef. Yes. And so his food skills were extraordinary. Right. And he just taught me so much um, okay. in a short amount of time. And then I have another wonderful um, Nonna Kolodzera. She cooks and bakes um, treats for our lunches. She's taught me a great deal. And so I just stick to the basics, mm. but I always maintain that we have lots of um, fruit and veg yes. and veg in the the pasta and it's always pasta but then in winter we'll do chickpea pasta which I've never done before I would never have added chickpeas to pasta but they do that in mm. Sicily they add lentils to pasta as oh, well do they? yes okay. absolutely yeah. so I always just thought goodness that's a big carb overload but then it's protein though, Protein, it? yeah oh, but it's also you know the, the food landscape in this in Sicily is extraordinary and um, so it's mainly pasta, uh, but I vary it, so it's not the same pasta every week. And then, of course, Emma, it's also very, you know, very much dictated about what is given to me on a Thursday. Of
0: course, yes. So it's very much, I imagine, seasonal yes. product, uh, yeah. produce. Yeah. Um, and for you, yeah. uh, is, has that been an eye-opener as to what is available here in Italy? Absolutely. That perhaps in London, you know, we got it on a supermarket shelf, but it's all year round, so yeah. you lose, you lose a connection with the seasons, whereas yes. here it's all about the seasons. Absolutely,
1: and also so many of the um, locals now will deliver and, and donate food from their companions. So the food has grown kind of you know, half a kilometre away from the Good Kitchen Yeah. and I've learnt a great deal in, in the time I've been here just from the locals bringing in what's on their trees. So yeah, yeah, the yeah. other day um, somebody arrived with two basket loads of persimmons Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. so they don't call them that here. It's it, uh, ketki. Yes, K- <laughs> yes, yes, Yeah. or ketki.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Um, and, then, uh, and then people, uh, what was the other thing that arrived? You sort of know almonds and, and walnuts and chestnuts and, you know, and then in, when it wintered, the brassicas. and yeah. So, you lear- like I've learnt about the food a, a great deal here. Um, I have an amazing... Chap by the name of Jero has a mushroom farm, and mm. I have to go out there and collect uh, oyster mushrooms that he grows. Um, yeah, I just try and I try and vary the food as much as I can every week, but it's it's pasta, and that's what people okay. want. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, and that's yes, yeah, that's filling, and and and. Uh, yeah, simple as you yes. say, simple for you to, yeah. to, to cook yeah. as well. And and in terms of the, so the your your helpers as it were, do they, uh, uh, is it a cycle of different people that are coming through like children that are no, coming to help so we, you or?
1: No, we, so we ran, after we ran the kids cooking classes, uh, some of the children's parents came to me and said, look the boys, at the moment we only have boys, so it's, um, you know, it's my, a mission of mine to find um, girls who want to volunteer as well. I don't know why the reason is, I think they're, 10 to 14 they're just separated at the moment as mm-hmm. in they don't hang around together the boys yep. and girls <laughs> they have their own groups that they yes. befriend yeah um but the parents came and said look uh, you know the children are really keen to come and help can they help and so every Sunday I have a group of around six or seven mm-hmm. lads who love to chop so I've taught them how to chop properly and um and then also they you know there's not much to to do here for children in the town, Mm. Um, you know, they don't have activities or, uh, you know, there's one small little playground and a lot of the kids just ride their bikes around the town. So now it's become a hub for them. So even when they're not volunteering on a Sunday, we do music workshops on a Saturday with my friend Laureana from Argentina. This afternoon, we're going to do some painting and art class for kids as well and so there's always activities when they can pop in and become a part of so half of them want to be chefs and half of them don't and that's absolutely fine yeah but I know the half that don't want to be chefs I know that they started thinking about a career what they want to do they have purpose they come to the kitchen they help me deliver which is incredible so they get Mm. to see you know, people who are struggling and get to see people who may be less fortunate than themselves. But I never envisaged that it would be a place where we would be playing a significant role in the lives of young people of the town.
0: Okay. So there's uh, two questions that come from that. One is the actual on the cooking side. You know, obviously Jamie Oliver is a is a chef and has cooked. But have you come from a background of cooking, or did he teach you, no, or did so you, yeah, you learn through my, the nonnas? Or yeah, what?
1: my grandparents. So a lot of people think here in the town and in Italy think I'm a chef, <laughs> and that it's hard to, to say that I'm a I'm a home cook. Like I'm am a good home cook. Yes. You know, I know I know how to cook, and that's as a result of my Grandparents were farmers back in Australia. Okay. So I grew up. My earliest memories of being on a farm. My mum is an amazing cook, and we just had grew our own produce. Mm. And I can never remember going into supermarkets or having things in packets. Or it yeah. was like I was the same actually. Yeah. We grew up in Edinburgh and had, grew yeah. all everything. We had Absolutely. A, lucky enough to have a garden yeah.
0: big enough that we grew everything. Yeah. And, so
1: and the local butcher, you would know that they, you know, we had massive freezers and you'd have half a cow in the freezer that would be for the family for the year and my father was an amazing fisherman so we had fish all the time Mm. and so I grew up knowing about foods yes and my mum just made sure we were always in the kitchen Uh, and then obviously working for Jamie Oliver for 17 years my skills improved immensely having said that I've learnt more about cooking since I've been in Italy than I think I have for the, my whole life. Really? Yeah. 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 I just, I feel there's some, I feel, I've always been a confident cook, but what I've learnt here is I used to think, I think I used to maybe overseason, cook too much and be afraid that I had a dinner party, people would run out of not have enough food. <laughs> here I've learnt to be very... Frugal in the sense of not wasting, yes, and then not having not overseasoning and yep. letting the food speak for itself. Yes, having said that, it's much easier too because, you know, in, in summer, um, families arrive with like passata, homemade passata sugo. and you don't need to add too much to that to pasta to have an amazing meal. So, yeah, I've learned a lot here for sure.
0: I think what what uh, from the people that I've met and I podcasted with uh, Gabriella. Um, Bokina for the uh, last week and she was amazing she said oh look at this everything's growing wild that you could forage for very easily and there's still so much there that you could never you know take away destroy yeah. an area of mm. wild rocket mm. and, and look here there's a rosemary and yeah. there's yeah. whatever are growing and there's all pomegranates in the trees and yes. the and she knew instantly and I think maybe it's within within Italian's blood they know what goes with what yes and, and Less is more, almost. Absolutely. In terms of what what yeah. you combine. Yes. Uh, so um, and the organic that, that 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 ability to be able to go back to um, for you also to go back to food at its very basic level takes you back to your childhood yes, in a way. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's nice to have that connection. So the funding for this this project you're now set up as a charity. Yes. And. Where is, how, how did that come about?
1: That so I did a crowdfunder when um, last year in April, mm-hmm. and I ran it for a month. And so I've done crowdfunding before with the 15 Jamie's Social Enterprise restaurant in London. And I set a target of 15,000 pounds, I raised 25,000 um, pounds. I think people, it was a time, it was still locked down, people were looking for a project to support. Yes. And one of the things that I did was. I have plans in the kitchen to run a community um, community cooking course. So, possibly for young chefs. Mm -hmm. You know, restaurant industry is in trouble. Chefs get burnt out just working all those long hours in a lot of restaurants. And so, my idea is to run a course where they come and immerse themselves in the kitchen here. Um, They may have already a space that they've identified that they want to start a community kitchen. But they really come and work on that plan mm-hmm. and then go back and then have a, have a website where they can connect. And so when I, you know, because I was worried about crowdfunding when my most of my contacts are in the UK. Yes. Uh, you know, crowdfunding for a project that's in a remote town in the middle of Sicily. But I think people really responded to, one, the nature of what I was doing. And then secondly, that this kitchen will have reach for many people. And that's my dream is that it, I don't want to open other, more good kitchens. That's not what I would want to do. However, if people come here and learn, then go back to their towns and countries and set up similar projects, mm-hmm, then that's mm-hmm. a fantastic thing.
0: Yeah, yeah yes, because that's one of the things. You know, coming into a place um, a, and doing a project like this, uh, you know, you're not you're not going to be here for the next hundred years. Yes, um, and you know, none of us are. Yeah. <laughs> and and how do you make it sustainable? Is that that in your mind at this point? Yes, absolutely.
1: So I'm I'm in the process of completing a one-year report of the kitchen. So um, how many meals we've served, how many kids cooking classes, how many kids have accessed programs here, how many volunteers, how many families we've reached through the food parcels on a Thursday. Um, And when I have that report, I will then approach brands and EU grants together to get to be sustainable for five years. Okay. So my dream is that this project will become, one, sustainable, and then secondly, that we will have paid people from the town working here. So mm-hmm. um, a chef and the kitchen manager, and then volunteers as well, through the e- EU grants and getting volunteers. It's not sustainable for me to run everything, and I know yeah. that no, for no. sure. So. That is, that is my dream. But then also, you know, I'm very conscious that we, I'm often approached to do lunches with tour groups. I think there could be amazing team building, people coming here, um, maybe some products that we could sell. So I'm always looking at ideas where it, it will be sustainable, mm-hmm. um, but I'm also conscious that one of my primary goals is that it becomes almost like a social enterprise yeah. and that we do employ people of the town, yeah. particularly young people. There's mm-hmm. 50% youth unemployment in Sicily. It's um, huge, isn't it? Yes, yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, and also the fact that with the next cycle, you know, when the, the youngsters that you're teaching, at, they, they obviously will grow up and probably will leave the town unless they've got something, If particularly if they're training as chefs, they'll yes. want to go out, spread their wings, get more experience, but to make sure that the next generation, who are now sort of eight eight to ten or yep. five to six-year-olds uh, will be coming up and, and this just becomes integrated into, yes. into Musumeli's yep. life yeah. so that it, it just carries on whether you're here Absolutely. Or, or
1: not. Absolutely, okay. and I think that's why if it was just a food delivery service then that's quite narrow. Yes. However, because it's a place for elderly people to come and connect it's a place to combat um, social Isolation, it's a place for young people to come, to learn, to be together. It's a, the Ukrainian families that have all have arrived in, in Mali. it's a place for them as well. So, okay. you know, it, it's, it's become so many layers to the good kitchen that it's almost like an old-fashioned community centre, mm, mm-hmm. where we'd go and, you know, you'd see if there's a class or you'd see if there's live music or a cooking class or whatever. Um, activities for kids. Uh, so as long as we're, as long as people are, c- are coming here, th- th- you know, feeling like it's theirs as well, like yeah. that's r- really important for me, that this, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm like the, there's an orchestra playing, I'm like the conductor, but everyone is, who plays the instrument belongs to this kitchen in sure. the town.
0: Yeah, yes. So I mean, obviously it's becoming a, very much a cultural hub and almost a cross-cultural hub yes. to an exchange of cultures an exchange of how people cook what they eat what they don't eat so i also are you able to at this point feed that into the kitchen in terms of if you've got ukrainian families i mean their food yes. is very different yeah
1: we did it's, an amazing ukrainian day um my friend vera has three girls here and her mum and my other friend alessa's mum alla is here they made traditional Ukrainian food, and we had a lunch, and it was summer. We opened up all the doors mm. and played traditional Ukrainian music, and Fantastic. and the kids, they, they're coming this afternoon, actually. They absolutely love it. It's a place for them, a safe place. They connect with other kids as well, so. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Now that's the point, isn't it? it? It's a. I mean, when I had my bookshop in, in Waterloo, it was the same thing. It's a place that people feel welcome, and also almost that, that they can yeah they feel safe yes. they can almost download their their troubles maybe I feel a bit better mm. y- you take it all <laughs> you absorb it all yes. but try not to absorb it too deeply yeah. and then it, it push them back out and let them you know strength yeah. more strength get on with with their week their day and um, that that's a that's such an important thing to bring to a community mm. that's also that's been dying effectively yes. hasn't yeah. it so it's it's got new young blood coming yes. into it through the fact that there's so many people displaced in this world yeah. and um, for them to come to a place like Masammeli as well in the center of Sicily is quite yes. extraordinary yeah. and has that come about because the italian government has has brought them specifically here to try and yes. swell the numbers um, the ukrainian families yeah ukrainian families or yes. generally refugee yep. Refugee.
1: refugees yep so the ukrainian families there's two um women who fled, uh, well, not fled, but they, when Chernobyl happened, they were 10 or 11, I think, and so Musumeli opened their doors for the for the children to come and detox. Okay. And so two two oh of the wow. women knew Musumeli anyway because they were here. Oh, my goodness. Stayed in contact with people of the town. Yes. And then also for a town of this size and so remote, it, the municipality is very open-minded. So the mayor and deputy mayor opened the doors and said, anyone who arrives from Ukraine fleeing the war, we will help you. Mm. So um, people have given their houses rent free and paying for the utilities. Um, I think the Sicilian government has a certain stipend that they get every month, but the town has really embraced them. It's been just, and you you know, to our point before about how friendly people are here, if you're fleeing that horrific, horrendous circumstance, you know, having to flee your home. Yes with just a backpack and what you're y- wearing y- on your cl- yeah. back yeah like coming to a place like this where you're welcome is 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 a good thing
0: mm, mm-hmm. i mean that sort of ties back to the question i forgot earlier but yeah. i just remembered um to do with purpose mm. like wherever we come uh, from within the world and where wherever we are we have to have a sense of of purpose and for those fleeing and coming somewhere new that must be incredibly hard. You lose your sense mm. of purpose, because it's over there, it's, yeah. not, it's not here. And it's also whether, how long am I here? Do I create a sense of yes. purpose? And perhaps this place creates uh, at least a, a small part, uh, a mini purpose yes. in, in the process of, of working out what Yeah. Well, it's something for
1: them is. to do. So mm-hmm. Vera is my wonderful friend with the three um, girls and her mom. And, she loves singing, so there's another volunteer, Lara, who helps me with the kitchen, local yeah. girl. And Loriano, who's from uh, Argentina, who's here applying for his uh, Italian citizenship. They come and sing and practice and play the guitar and the, the, the small little organ we have here. Yeah. Um, and the kids come and the kids paint and draw and have food. It's like, it's a beautiful place for them to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and be together yeah and then they you know the kids get to know other Italian local kids as well
0: Sure, sure. and for you personally your sense of purpose has it been uh, satisfied absolutely
1: I never would have pictured that I always wanted to start a project a charity a, a project in Italy that had social value but I never would have pictured that it would be a project that has such um breadth and depth for the community Mm -hmm. and and it's so rewarding for me to see firsthand the the goodness that we're bringing to the people of the town Mm -hmm. and i think you know my experience in london is you get on that treadmill of charities and foundations do good but they as they grow they have more overheads and costs and then they have to deliver more meals or service has to be increased so there's this kind of like constant treadmill where not often in my experience I'm would would I sort of be given that opportunity to see the effect of the good that the charity is doing and Mm. I think here it's very immediate Mm -hmm. you know it's just very instant yeah which is you know for the (laughs) voluntary work that I do that gives me a great sense of purpose
0: Sure it is impossible to lose the sense of reality here yes. where, whereas in a big organisation it's very easy just to be in your own bubble and yes. actually have no idea what implications there are to what you're doing because it's too far removed yeah. from where you're sitting in a with your knees under de, under a desk yes. rather than uh, meeting people day to day yeah. so today what are you what are you cooking yes. in the so kitchen so
1: today um we've got lots of spinach a big sack of potatoes yes Um, The kids are coming at three after school to do um, a music workshop with Mm Loriano, So I think I'm going to do Piada, Piadina Mm -hmm. with the kids. Okay. Because I just love that. Um, I don't know what Piadina is. Oh, it's like the, um, it's two like flatbreads. Oh, yes. Yes, I have Yeah, so it has fillings. It's Amelia Romagna is famous for Piada, Piadina. Um, So I'll do that for the kids. They love just roast potatoes so I've got oh, really? a massive sack of roast potatoes <laughs> so I'm going to roast roast potatoes I mean a carb overload a bit, yeah. a bit. Um, and then for the families I've got lots and lots of aubergines onions tomatoes um, so I'll just do like a aubergine pasta for Lovely. the families okay. at four. do they
0: eat things like ratatouille you know that kind of caponata you know? yes caponata yeah which
1: is okay. like very well known here so mm-hmm.
0: what what is the the, the speciality of Mussomeli, is there a specific uh, one that they, they're no, proud this of? this
1: region um, is caponata, okay. which is like aubergine, celery, um, onion, olives. Um, mm. I mean, everything that they cook here is incredible. Mm. I mean, the local dishes and the seasonal produce. Um, I'd say caponata would be the most, one of the most famous things from here.
0: Yeah, okay. So going forward, so you got, you obviously through the crowdfunding received Quite a lot of of money, which which created the backbone almost to to get you started here. And you've got um, funding coming from the Italian government as well as EU funding.
1: So um, the mayor is very kindly going to donate a space with fridges and freezers uh, for us, which when the energy crisis hits, um, Sicily, that's a great help for me. So um, I've just become an ambassador to Banca Alimentare, which is a... Italy's largest food rescue charity okay and so they're linking me up with Lidl and Eurospin to officially be get all the surplus produce from those supermarkets yes and so we need storage space for that so that's one great help that's going to happen and then once I have the one year reports I'm collaborating with a foundation here called Archie Strauss that has young people from across Europe that come and do community projects for 10 months in, in Mussumeli. Oh, interesting. And so we're going for a grant to get two full-time volunteers for the kitchen, Okay. which is what I need yes, desperately. Yes. So those are the two projects that I'm working on at the moment. And then I will um, approach brands and my network and EU grants to get funding for the next five years.
0: Okay. Wow, you've got a lot of work on your plate. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. all manageable though. So Absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, I think, it's, isn't it, it's, it could become so huge in your head that you become paralysed, but it's just taking yes. it every day. Yeah. And, and you know you've got the backing of the town. And Absolutely. that's huge, isn't it? Yeah. So you know you've got the help yeah. at hand if you need it.
1: Absolutely. And then also for me, as I said, it's not about the quantity, it's quality. Yeah. And as long as I can stick to... So I, the kitchen's open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. I'm quite strict with my time. So unless there's something really important I need to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, I'm. I kind of the kitchen's closed. Although the Vera has a key, and the you know Vera, Lara, and Lariana come and practice here. So if okay. people do call past and want to know where I am, there's there's someone here. Yes. But I want to. It's very important for me to stick to what we do. Yes. Yes. You know. And that it doesn't become this project that's so unmanageable and so, you know, it's really important for me, as I said as when I moved here, that I will never get worked up or get myself stressed mm. from volunteering. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I haven't been. And I still Good. love every minute of it. When yes. I open the door, it's that same sense of joy.
0: Because here is the space, it's here, and and you know you don't have to go to ten other places, it's here, and obviously Carson has to have to get the food. But but apart from that, and for you it's very grounding as well. Yes,
1: well I have been approached twice now for a major funder to open up good kitchens all over Italy and I just said thank you, (laughs) but it's not what my mission is. Yes. My mission is to inspire others to do that.
0: Yeah, 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 very good. for people who want to get in touch with you or yes. visit you, what, what should they Yeah, so I have a blog
1: called goodforgoods.com. Um mm-hmm. I need good to be good for good, And then my Insta- Instagram is Danny for goods. Mm-hmm. Um, and my Instagram at the moment is like my website. Um, one of the other things I have in the pipeline is to create a website for the good kitchen mm-hmm. um, which explains everything that we do. So those are the two platforms to, to connect.
0: Okay. And where did the name come from? Obviously, it makes sense, but did, was, that like, yes, was it like an inspired moment well, or just keeping it simple like yeah, food?
1: Yeah, I just, uh, it was a tricky one because some of my friends in Muslim Ali were like, no, that people are going to think it's just good food.
0: Ah, okay.
1: And then I was like, mm, I'm going to bite the bullet and do it, yeah. which I did. And the, there's a sign above the door, the good kitchen, love and connection through food. Yes and then that's translated into Italian above the door as well okay. and I think people now get it you know they they it's a place where we do good mm-hmm.
0: um, I don't know it's one of those things that can get lost in the translation yes, isn't it but, so it but hasn't people, clearly.
1: Well, at first people just thought it was a Restaurant, but now people know exactly what we do.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's very clearly a, uh, a community space. I mean, yes. behind you is this kind of beautiful tapestry. tapestry. It's, yeah. be- it's really lovely, yeah. done by the kids, I imagine. Yes, and, and, uh, a friend of
1: mine, Barbara, as a textiles designer, came and all the materials were donated. And then we had 60 children working with the nonnas to sew and sew this beautiful um, wall hanging they drew pictures of uh, their favourite food. And it's wonderful actually, the kids then come back and they bring their other friends who weren't at the workshop and point out on which, the tapestry, <laughs> which is their section. And, Fantastic. Yeah, it? it's a, again,
0: it's a sense of pride, isn't it? A yes. Sense of being a part of something that's yeah. bigger than themselves. Yes, yeah,
1: beautiful. And the nonna is giving them something to do as well. Yes. Sense of purpose.
0: Exactly. I mean, and that's so true that we sometimes forget as adults how important it is for children to have that as well, yep. you know that they're that they're not lost in yes. this. It's particularly their they're uh, displaced children, yep. and or or even just being left by you know their orphans. or, because yes. there's quite yep. a few orphans. Is orphans the right word so to use? So there's here?
1: a there's a house, a foundation here called Casa Vanessa, and it's um, children whose parents can no longer live out, look after them for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's fourteen children there. Not necessarily from Mali, but from the surrounding regions. Yeah, and so they come. Um, the three brothers that come and volunteer, and then we do cooking classes for them as well. and yeah. they love this space here as well.
0: Mhm, mm-hmm. and it's giving them also a skill. Yes, yeah. which, is, which they can take forward into the into the world hopefully yeah. when they're when they're a bit older and can can do that. So. Um, OK, well, we've talked quite a lot. Oh, ah, <laughs> wonderful. There, is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, or like I, to just, sort of
1: just, I, I could talk all day about this project. Um,
0: I feel like we've just got started, actually. yeah.
1: I just, you know, I'm just it was quite difficult in many ways leaving London after such a long time. But I definitely was looking for a more peaceful and tranquil life and to also then start a project that was um, Tangible Yes. and what we do here is yes. very tangible
0: and have you found because of that that people have come to you As you know from London and yes, abroad and yeah, to see well what you're doing because you're the, actually in one place. Yes. As well.
1: Yeah, well You know the town's becoming quite famous now for the one euro houses and also people buying you know fairly inexpensive houses second homes and maybe moving here one day so people are stopping off for that but then realizing that i'm here too so it's quite nice so mm-hmm.
0: has jamie been out to see you here no yet? not
1: as yet i chatted to him the other day he loves it obviously because this is the culmination of everything that i learnt with him yes, yes um he has five kids you know so he's a busy boy he is isn't he and um, they're all quite young still, yeah aren't they? <laughs> yeah but we're in constant contact and then genaro cantalo who's my of wonderful course. friend, he just. Yeah.
0: Uh, Where, he's which been part great. of Italy is he's he? He's from
1: uh, the, uh, around Naples, um, near Sorrento. Okay. Yeah. And has yeah. he
0: been here? Not yet. He, They've all he got really, invites, I yeah, imagine.
1: Yeah, he definitely wants to come. Um, so.
0: It's yeah. been a difficult couple of years. Yes, and, and people to travel. Are only and just trying, yeah. getting back on their own feet yes. to think, yeah. let's get out there. Yeah. I mean. There's a backlog of things that everybody's trying yes. to get done before they do that. So. Yep. But people know where, where you are, Danny. Yes. And if they're passing, if you're passing through Musameli from... or stop for a few yes. days and, and come and help out if there's... there's uh, hands needed. I yep. mean, not every day you need help, is it? It's, it's, no, it's the, oh, just particular... nice that people
1: call in. Yeah. Sunday's the day when you, can, you, you get to see The heart of the kitchen, really, because the young people are volunteering and we're delivering, and the families now are not embarrassed to come and collect food. And it's a nice day, and Sunday's the day of family and being together. So that's why I'm here here all day, and the doors are open, and the kids we all sit down have lunch after, and it's a lovely atmosphere.
0: Yeah, yeah, yes. Well. Thank you so much for your time, Danny. My it's been such a, a, an opportunity to talk to you and find out a lot more about this. And so, to the podcast listeners listening to this, I hope you've been inspired by Danny's and my conversation. And if you are coming to Sicily, do stop by and come and see him and say hello. Um, I, I'll put all the. Um, contacts in the show notes for you Danny um, anything else you'd like to add no, as that's it, <laughs> that's it thank for you. Now. Yes. well thank <laughs> you very much um, if you've been inspired please do share with your friends please do write a rating and a review because this really helps the podcast guests to reach a wider audience and that's what this podcast is all about in the meantime I hope you're having a good week, take care wherever you are in the world and thanks for listening Let's <music>